Good morning, noon or night, wherever and whenever you're listening, you're listening to The Shift. I'm your host, Doug McKenty. This is episode 37 of The Shift. It's being recorded on June 11th, 2018. If you like what you're listening to, please think about becoming a patron. That's patreon.com backslash The Shift. I could use all the help I can get. Uh, I'm up on Facebook. If you want to catch my news feed at The Shift with Doug McKenty, join the conversation on Twitter at McKenty, uh, or check out the archives and other information about the show on my website at theshiftnow.com. Listening to the mainstream media, the average American is led to believe that the greatest threat to our democracy comes in the form of foreign intervention. The fear of Russian meddling is widely perceived by the general public to pose eminent danger to the very infrastructure that makes our democracy function in the United States. What the mainstream media does not discuss, however, is how the greatest threat to our democracy may very well be found much closer to home. What most Americans don't know is that the vast majority of votes are counted electronically using proprietary software owned and controlled by private corporations. It is literally illegal to analyze the programs used to count the votes, and therefore absolutely impossible to publicly verify the accuracy of the vote count. My guest on the show today seeks to change the status quo in which votes are essentially counted behind closed doors by bringing transparency and accountability to the process. John Roberts Brakey is the co-founder and director of Audit USA, which stands for Americans United for Democracy, Integrity, and Transparency in Elections. Starting locally in Arizona in 2004 and recently expanding nationwide, Audit provides legal resources for lawsuits across the country seeking to enforce laws that require transparency in the vote counting process. Initially, the issue was with the vote counting machines themselves, which provided no mechanism for double-checking the authenticity of the process. More recently, however, many machines have been equipped with ballot imaging technology, which provides a digital image of each ballot as it is being counted. Theoretically, these images could be uploaded onto the Internet, giving any concerned citizen the ability to verify the stated outcome of any election. Inexplicably, however, many election officials on the state and local levels seek to preserve the status quo by deleting these images shortly after each election, rather than posting the information for public scrutiny. Audit USA seeks, through its Ballot Images Project, to require governments to make this information available. Here to discuss this situation in detail is John Roberts Brakey. Thanks for helping to make the shift, John, and how are you doing today? I'm doing great, and I'm glad to be here on the shift because a shift is happening. Good. I think we're all part of it. Yeah, I mean, people really need to become more aware of this. This is the second interview that I've done on this topic because I think that so few Americans really have an understanding of just how I mean, dire the situation is in terms of our election process. Can you discuss where the situation is at? I mean, you know, like I mentioned in the introduction, what the mainstream media talks about is this Russian meddling, Russian meddling and fear of foreign intervention. And it's just not even you know, noticing that, hey, but nobody knows how the votes are counted here. I mean, come on, you know, let's let's look at the real problem. You know, uh, right on, Doug, and it was a, a good recap. Uh, people really don't know. And mm -hmm. as to the Russians, you know, I, I work all over the country. I communicate with uh, people all over the place. I just came off of a seven-state tour. Uh, I went back east, spent six weeks looking at different states. And... Uh, I'm horrified what I find, and I'm, and I'm very disappointed to know that, well, first off, let's go into the Russian thing since we talked, we brought it up. Sure. I don't see any Russians. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> and if there were, why hasn't the feds and them got into these databases more? They haven't. 
And if they and they're claiming that they didn't get into the election database, they got into the voter database, right? Which we've known for years, which was very much. But they're claiming that they didn't do anything; they just looked around or whatever. And maybe in Arizona they got in. And uh, and I'll say this is that I was the first person in the country to declare that the voter database was being manipulated because in two uh, first off the 2016 election. I was following all of the primaries, and I don't know if you know who Mimi Kennedy is. She's a very good friend. Mimi is the one of the founders of the Progressive Democrats of America. She's also an actress. She's on the TV show called Moms, and uh, uh, she's a remarkable person and an activist in elections. And uh, so anyway, in March of 2016, we had our primary in Arizona, and uh and we knew instantly something was really wrong with the voter database because uh, people were going to vote and found out in a closed primary that they weren't a Democrat any longer. They were a Republican or a Libertarian. Wow. And, uh, and it was pretty massive. And the results in that election uh, were horrifying in the sense of, first off, in Maricopa, they suppressed 150,000 people from voting. We had long lines. Secondly, the results across the state, if you averaged them out, Bernie Sanders uh, lost the vote by mail and Hillary won it by 63%. But the precinct vote, Bernie Sanders won by 59%, and then he wins the provisionals by 63%. That's a 40-point split. Yeah. 39, that's un, it's un, unhearable in right. the same precinct that it would be that much of a shift. And something was going on in the voter database. So Bernie Sanders, in his wisdom, uh, sent in a fabulous lawyer out of, uh, out of D.C. name of uh, Chris Sauter. And before Sauter got to town, the Democratic, he contacted the party and said, who's the best guy in the state to meet with to talk about what's going on in elections and what just happened? And they didn't mention my name. They mentioned my lawyer, Bill Reisner. And Bill said, no, you don't want me. You want Brakey. And that's where I got with him. And we spent uh, four to five days together writing up uh, affidavits, interviewing people, and we could clearly see that something monstrously happened in the voter database that's mm -hmm. disenfranchised. And, uh, and so basically, we filed a lawsuit and went through the whole process and built a relationship. And, and before that, I was doing other states before Arizona because I was chasing all the primaries, you know, uh, Massachusetts, uh, 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 let's just quick that up a quick little story. Uh, I've done Massachusetts. It was my third time when I did Massachusetts in 2016. And I knew that there was 72 originally uh, municipalities. First off, in Massachusetts, they do not run elections by county. They run them by municipality. There's 351 municipalities. And they're all independent, have their own equipment. And, and out of the 351, in that election, 68 of the municipalities hand-counted, and they're from all different parts of the state, relatively small communities, municipalities. Well, anyway, Bernie Sanders lost the whole state by 1.42%. Mm -hmm. But those 68 municipalities, uh, Bernie Sanders averagely won them by 17.9%. Right, wow. Equal to 2% of the state vote, which is a very representative amount. I found that pattern in Michigan. I found something going on in Chicago. And, and it wasn't Russians getting into this stuff. 
Yeah. It's somebody, insiders, who know how to play the databases, okay? And we know that they've been preparing for this for a long time because, you know, a lot of people don't realize when the Help America Vote Act passed in 2004, uh, two, by 2004, some states like Arizona used, first off, there was $4 billion that the feds gave, $2 billion was for buying new voting machines. $2 billion was to take the voter databases and align them with magic points that they would tie to commercial databases. It used to be in this country that voter databases were done per county. They had their own control. They mm -hmm. had their own program, but they were not inter be able to go into another county and merge them or exchange data because of the formats. They spent $2 billion modernizing the complete voting databases in this country. Wow. When they did that, by 2006, the LA Times, there was a reporter there who wrote a book and a story, and it was called, Does the GOP Know If You Don't Like Anchovies? Now, I was... Fortunately, at that time, also working with Greg Palace, and he kind of broke me in and trained me and told me what they were planning to do with these voter databases and how easily manipulative they were. So I was always aware of the potential of being used. And I also was working with a professor, Doug Jones, out of Iowa. In fact, he was my key witness, you know, saying for years he's been telling people that these voter databases are very vulnerable to being hacked or an injection attacks. And, uh, and how they were working. And, and it's just power to the course because every election, there's always a little bit being gained. Now, getting into the Russian thing, you know, uh, uh, I would say this is that I don't see any evidence, but I yeah. do see that the American people, first off, Sanders, in my opinion, from all the work I've done in elections, should have been the person who was the, on the Democratic ticket, and he had beat. Mm -hmm. And you can see, like the story I told you about Massachusetts, Arizona. Let me just tell you a quick one. You're in California, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, your state, it was a hack. I'm sorry, a stack on the front end. It was a uh, stack, a strip. Stripping is you're no longer a Democrat, and you cannot vote in a Democratic primary uh, because we just stripped you out. And also stripping was basically uh, when the vote by mail came in, they used these machines and they, let's put it this way, because of uh, everything that's going on, donating money, uh, because of the voter database, Google, Facebook, they know how you're going to vote. Mm -hmm. People admit it. And that data is being captured by operatives. And when election fraud is done, they, ste they steal where they know they have impunity. California, right now, I guess it's up to 60 to 70% of their vote by mail, well, their ballots cast is vote by mail. Mm -hmm. And the way the ballots come in and how they're connected to these pitney votes. Now, I'm talking about the extremely large counties, okay? Not the small ones. And I see that in the numbers because you have 58. I analyzed all 58 counties. And uh -huh. I was horrified in the results to see that on election night, Hillary Clinton wins the vote by mail by 66%. At the precinct, she only won by a half a percent. But let me tell you, they forced 825,000 people in California had to vote provisionally. Okay. Right. Of those 825,000, 
I would say 550,000 were Bernie Sanders ballots is what they were. People forced into voting a provisional. And then they call the election and they don't audit anymore. And I know how operatives work and how insiders work. They only steal where they have impunity. So basically, they stacked on the front end. Hillary wins by the vote by mail, 66% average across the state. At the precinct, they forced 800,000 into provisionals. Uh, but when they start counting the rest of the votes and reporting, 34% of the vote in California is absolutely not audited. So that means I can take Bernie's votes, and at that point right there, I could use a fraction magic program and I could do it and get away with it. Mm -hmm. Fraction magic is a way of weighing a vote and saying how you want to dial in the results. And you do it on a precinct level. I was on the fraction magic team with black box voting in Bev Harris. Mm -hmm. They steal where they have impunity. And you really have to know the system. And in 50 states, there's 50 different uh, election type systems, audits. Some places they say, Gee, uh, well, all across the country, they tell me when I go into a county or a municipality and they say that I said, well, how do you know? What kind of audits are you doing? How do you know that these results are accurate and nothing has been gained? And they always tell me, hey, I ran a logic and accuracy test. What is a logic and accuracy test? They run test ballots before the election and sometimes they'll run test ballots after and they say, hey, look, it all adds up really good. But the reality is, it only tells you, a logic and accuracy test only tells you that it's working right at this moment. Mm-hmm. Now, the situation is, is that when it goes online and it starts working, they can have something dialed in. And I would say the best analogy to show how this happens, it's basically Volkswagen, this may sound strange, running the logic and accuracy because you've got to realize Volkswagen did what? They sold 580,000 cars into the United States over a 10-year period. And they said that these diesels were clean. They were as good as almost electric cars, and they get great mileage, and there's no pollution hardly at all. Well, what did they do? They every, Well, every time these cars would get an emission test, it was like a logic and accuracy. It would sure. say, hey, it's working right. But the reality is they built a computer that knew when it had to cheat. It knew that it was uh, plugged into something's hanging on its tailpipe. It would change its timing. Okay. And they did this for 10 years. It cost them $2.8 billion in fines, $25 billion overall for all the buybacks in the United States. But they achieved something over that 10 years. They became the world's largest car company. They bought uh, Audi. They bought Porsche. They bought other companies out to become this big. They dominated the market, hurt the good people like Toyota, who were really leading building green cars. But Volkswagen's claiming their car was green. And you know how bad the cheat really was that they did? It wasn't 40% more pollution it put out. It wasn't. It was 40 times over the legal limit. Wow. What would that be? 4,000 times? Yeah. Over? People died. Not here. And they sold, I guess, around 12 million of these cars worldwide. Europe, they pounded them in. They were all cheating over there. Everybody went diesel, and everybody was cheating. 
And because of this, premature deaths in Europe is 72,000 a year being blamed on all these noxic diesel fumes. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That applies to elections. We don't do audits like we should. You know, after the Help America Vote Act passed and after what happened in 2000, which a lot of that was a setup, uh, there's a report, I don't know if you, in that long document I sent you, all the links, where mm -hmm. Dan Rather explained how they made the punch card shorter and they demonstrated to the American people, hey, computers count better than us. Right. And audits went away. I mean, we have lived in a country now where we uh, have the Hack America Vote Act. That's what we call it. It was right. not the Help America Vote Act. It was the Hack America Vote Act. And it was security by obscurity, Doug. Don't tell anybody how bad it is. Don't. We fought, you know, the largest release of electronic databases in the history of voting. We achieved those in 2007 in Arizona. And what I learned out of those files just infuriated me to realize that all these old voting systems were working on Microsoft Access. That the phone modems that they were using was on a system that was abandoned in the 90s by uh, Microsoft, which was called RASP. And they're using this stuff. And to know that I could take the databases, open them up in Microsoft Access, change anything I want, and put them right back in, well, here we are in 2018. Right. What a mess our country's in, huh? <laughs> it's awful. And it wasn't Russians who did this. And, you know, if you study the history of voting, you'll find that uh, in the last 50, 60, 70 years, our government was very much involved overseas hacking other people's elections. And maybe it came home to roost. Okay. Exactly. I think Americans need to understand this. I mean, this whole Russian voting thing has been coming out in the news over and over again. And some people have brought up, hey, you know, the United States government does this all the time. You can see all the documentation for it all over the world. And then you can look at our own elections and everyone like you. I mean, I've talked to a couple of people like you now, but and, and everybody like you knows, you know, groups of people. Once anyone looks into this, I mean, anyone you talk about, I interviewed Bev Harris at one point a few years back on another program that I did uh, at Black Box Voting. And she's been on to this for 20 years, just like you have. I mean, it's anyone that looks into it can see that our voting system in the United States is dysfunctional, that that it's not being counted accurately. The Bernie Sanders primary that you're describing is just. You know, but it's the tip of the iceberg. I mean, it was very obvious. I think a yeah. lot of people, because of it, are starting to wake up. But I mean, I'm remembering when John Kerry lost in 2004, and everybody was shocked. <laughs> yep. Oh, gee, I wonder how that could happen. And that was like you're talking about right after the Help America Vote Act had pushed all these electronic machines through, and there was all kinds of of evidence. The exit polls that don't match up anymore, where they used to be fairly accurate, and now they're all over the place. Um, I mean, something serious has been going on. It's amazing that more Americans don't really understand it. One thing that I um, I understood, I know, I think Diebold is not in the in the business of making voting machines anymore, but they were one of the original companies, and they did make they made um, ATM machines for banks. That's They're right. kind of similar, except that 
for a private bank, for these ATM machines, they have all kinds of security for these things. So people right. can't get in there and steal your money. They could have applied any of these security protocols to our votes, but they just, for whatever reason, decided not to and ended up having all of these back doors and all of these ways that they could change this information and then making, making their process proprietary so you can't even double check what's going on. No one in the public can look into what's happening. Yeah, and you know, and Debolt, you know, at one point in time, they were one of the largest, and uh, but you know, they really started off as global, mm -hmm. and then in two thousand three, uh, after the Help America Vote Act, uh, you know, they saw two billion dollars coming down the line to buy new machines, and they decided to jump in, and and they took out Global and bought that, and then put Jeffrey Dean in the background. Who Jeffrey Dean was one of the designers of the Debolt system, and if you ever study his background, you ever heard about this Jeffrey Dean? Uh -uh. Ever going to? No, let this us know. This guy, uh, when he got out of prison, okay. Wow. Uh, yeah, when he got out of prison, he was working for a bunch of lawyers, and I guess they got into computer fraud and stealing. Okay, and uh, and then he got into global. And then he was able to build it up and sell us money, but they didn't have the money to go out and do the manufacturing and buy the equipment, but they had the prototypes. And so basically uh, they sold to Global, Global sold to uh, Debolt, and Debolt owned them, I guess, from 2002 to 2006, and then turned right around because of all the things that happened in Ohio, all over the country with the Debolt. Mm -hmm. It really hurt a really good company because Debolt is an old American corporation. And, you know, they uh, their chairman of the board was Elliot Nest at one time. Did you know that? Uh, no, that's crazy. Yeah, now they're all banking. Yeah. And they dumped it. They, uh, they spun it off and they, they tried to sell it. And they called it Premier for a while. And then they sold it to ESNS. Which okay. would have given them a huge market share. So the Justice Department jumps in and says, Hey, boys, no deal. You can't do it. You got a monopoly. Huh. So then they wound up selling it, uh, keeping, they did sell the ESNS, but had to spin it off again. And now it's to a company called Dominion out of Canada. You know, kind of a funny name. I don't know too much about them, even though their next generation of equipment I do like. You know, I do like ESNS's new equipment. Mm -hmm. It's not like the old crap that came out of the Help America Vote Act originally. And, uh, but, and, you know, it's interesting, you know, when, uh, the thing that I'm really heavily involved in right now is, uh, first off, I tell people I used to be an election integrity activist, but I had to quit that because I realized the system has very little integrity. Yeah. So now... I am an election transparency activist because the solution is transparency. Right. The solution is audits. You know, the technology that was used on the old machines, you know, the Help America Vote Act that came out, uh, that was what they call MarkSense technology. MarkSense technology, you've used it. I've used it. It's been out since the 40s. IBM had it. And what it was it? is that, remember we were in school and we took the Iowa test and you filled in the bubble? Mm -hmm. That's what it was. Yeah. You made a mark and an LED light came down and if it didn't bounce back, it sensed that was your decision. Left no evidence behind. Really, it was a horrible system. Right. <laughs> if you didn't maintain it, you could get dust bunnies on it. Uh, uh, you know, 
dust would build up in the LED light and then it would bounce back. You know, in 2016 in Wisconsin, uh, audits were done after that election uh, with several counties that people that we met up with and they said, hey, you know, I'm using clickers and I'm counting ballots as they're running them through the machine again. And, uh, and they're not adding up right. So wow. some people really pushed the issue and they found municipalities, one particularly, had an error rate of 30%. Yeah, that's crazy. It's unbelievable because supposedly the accuracy was supposed to be, they told us, one mark in 500,000. Hmm. That was a pretty good lie. It really was. And, uh, you know, using logic, you know, we don't need to check. We know it's right. And, right. Uh, yeah, it would add up right if people didn't hack it or play it. And so basically, the new system is incredible. And they could have had it in 2000, but they didn't want it. The right. new system, as your ballot goes through the machine, it makes an image of both sides of the ballot. And on these high-speed counters, the minute the image is made, it gives it a unique number. And then it turns right around after the notes that the ballot was read successfully and it lifted the text, could put a, another number on the corner of the ballot, marrying these things together, okay? Instead, they decide to destroy the images or throw them away, which they cannot do legally. You know, I'm taking these people to court and I'm winning because they're breaking the law. Right. And how does the law really work? Uh, let's say I'm a cop, Doug. I bust you with a pound of pot, I tag it and bag it and seal it, and then I give it to Peter. Peter gives it to Jose, Jose gives it to Joanne. The times it makes to the you know the evidence locker, the bag is open, there's only about an ounce of pot left, okay? Yeah, right. And it comes into court and you start laughing. The judge just throws the damn thing out because the chain of custody is broken. It is a federal law that you cannot break the chain of custody on these ballot images. Mm -hmm. And you have to ask yourself, first off, the system was designed to use these images, and it says in the literature, for auditing and adjudication. They don't want to use them. They don't want them, okay? And right. why do they don't want them? Because it takes, these ballot images are good at taking their right away to cheat if they were public. If you're gonna steal with impunity, you can't have a prick like me running around or other people like me saying, hey, here's a records request. I want those images because they do belong to us. They are a public record in most states. The reason that it's very hard to get at the original ballot is because they say that you might have a piece of lead below your finger and you might make a mark on the ballot. They got no excuse with these images. Right. Okay? You know, uh, in most states, like, for example, uh, Arizona, Florida, Ohio, a lot of states, they have rules that the only way that you can have a recount is if the results are within one-tenth of one percent. Now, are you following this case out of Florida with Debbie Walsam and Schultz and with Tim Cadova? Yeah, yeah. I, I saw a post on Facebook, actually. You've been in touch with Tim, right? You've been working oh, with I, him? I, he called me right after his election. That's great. And most people do. They say, who's the best guy in the guy, country to talk to? Because I've been doing this for 14 years. This is all I do. What I yeah. found in 2004 triggered me very badly. And uh, I'll never forget that day. 
I had four precincts. I was running around collecting, getting the vote out. And I started seeing some anomalies and I started checking into it. And I had my own little computer program that I set up to get the thing, the data. And late in the day, the county, the, 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 the precinct that I thought was doing the best job was the worst one. Wow. And they were giving me bad information all day long. And then when I finally got into it, uh, you know, I remember late that night that, you know, I was working with three other people, you know, getting the vote out. We had a little phone bank because I was in the far, you know, uh, west side of Tucson up against the Indian Reservation. They had put a special crew of people in there and they were tricking people into voting provisionals and they had a team of four people going through and those people they tricked into voting a provisional they tricked them to sign the, the correct roster and they wow. put their ballot in an envelope and these other people were filling out ballots and stuffing the box now we have 400 precincts they weren't doing it any everywhere right they had precincts set up that if there was an audit you can audit this one. They stacked it. Huh. Is what they did. And uh, in the time I got done, I identified there was about 110 stolen votes there, is what there was. And uh, it was a thousand hours, me and a professor, uh, Griscom, uh, who was a physicist, worked this thing, and it was, uh, it was shocking. But, and at that point, after discovering all of this, I realized that I wasn't geeky enough to really figure out the database, yeah. even though I was a beta test site for the same platform for Mercury Marine in Briggs and Stratton in Mexico, because, you know, I had left the country and I was in Mexico for about 11 years. It was kind of shocking when I got back. I can tell you that. Yeah, I believe it. it. You know, it was a different environment. Uh, mom and pops were gone. More corporations taking over. Everything sure. was a chain, and uh, and then to fumble into this, all I know is I sat on a curb and I knew my whole life had changed. I was no longer an environmentalist. I didn't know quite what I was, you know. Right. Uh, and and but I knew that I had to investigate this because I was a witness to a crime, and it took me down a tremendous rabbit hole of learning, and uh, and at the very end. I realized that, uh, wow, we're in big trouble in this country because, you know, democracy is built on four boxes. And, and I kind of knew that. And the first box I'm on right now, it's a soapbox. The second box is people like Tim Cadover running, who's a great man. And uh, that is the ballot box. Mm. The third box is the jury box. Go to court, fight. The fourth box scares the hell out of me. That's the cartridge box. And that's when justice breaks down. Yeah. That we get back to what we used to do. Shoot each other, throw rocks at each other, or kill each other one way or the other. Right. And that's a big fear for me because I see democracy breaking down. I see that we live in a country that makes believe that we are that other country. You know, last week was a hard week for me. You know, I'm 64 years old. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I've investigated most of the assassinations and Robert Kennedy, you know, uh, his death was a really big impact on my life. And I'm the same exact age of Robert Kennedy Jr. And I'm very excited about the fact that he's picked up the gauntlet and he's challenging his father's murder. I never really investigated very heavily until the last 10 days. And, and I'll say this is that, wow, what a country.
Right. So getting back to it, we don't need the Russians to help us to steal. We're yeah. doing a really good job by ourselves. And the reality is the American people would have voted Sanders in because they wanted change. OK, Hillary was not that change. So if it came to Hillary, if it came to Trump, they took Trump because it was stolen in the primary. It was written in the card for an outsider to win. And now the Republicans and the Democrats, which are really the neoliberals and the neoconservative who yeah. feed at the same trough. Let's face it. These candidates give us lit service, the machine ones. This is a, they feed at the trough. Uh, and yeah, the neoliberals, the neoconservatives, they hate each other, but they have a deal. No progressives, no socialists, no communists, nobody who's going to challenge the status quo. Uh, we're not going to put up with it. Mm -hmm. Tim Cordova's election was stolen. He lost by 13 points. That's how brazen that the heist was on him. Wow. And they destroyed, first they said they destroyed the ballot images. They say that they didn't have any on the vote by mail. Lie. Then they turn around and destroy the ballots and come up with these images now that are useless because they're only good if they're connected to the original ballot. Mm -hmm. and that original ballot is very important. And we could have a system in this country if we, because right now I want you to know, 45% of every ballot that will be cast this November will produce a ballot image. And it's exactly the same copy of the ballot. And that's a public record. By the 2020 election, it could be 85 to 90%. And we could have elections. Now I'm saying we get the images. We get to go ahead and have systems to verify these elections. And then we have the right to take some of those images and use Dr. Phil Stark's method uh, to go back and take a few of those images and verify that they're real. Now, first off, I only recognize ballot images from hand-marked paper ballots. I do not endorse, I do not like these new machines that ESNS has which is a DRE that produces a ballot, but it marks it for you. Very easy to forge. Hand-marked paper ballots are very difficult to forge without having a large conspiracy because they're hand-marked. They're like a signature. So will you describe the difference between, uh, you know, this is something as I was doing the reading, I realized I was a little bit confused about is that there are some electronic voting machines, these DREs that you're talking about, where you're pressing a button on a screen and that's your vote. And then there are others that are the vote counting machines, which are, which are counting the paper ballots. Optical scanners or digital. And those can be rigged as well. I mean, that's the thing. You know, I, yes. I guess in my mind, I was thinking the real problem was with the touchscreen ones that could easily be manufactured to just you you vote for so-and-so and then it just switches even hear the stories it switches on the screen to the other person <laughs> but um and you know a lot of that when that happens is done because there is a glitch mm -hmm. because they wouldn't switch on the screen it would switch afterwards it's not yeah that sure dumb. right yeah, but they, they built these machines so cheaply okay mm -hmm. that as they get older the screens are delaminated so when you touch it's just not the right spot right they're just junk. Interesting. Yeah. But they do steal both ways. Mm hmm That kind of goes back to the way that our election machines are, you know, if only they were treated like an ATM machine, then we would get yeah. something that would be long-lasting and have great security. It's just so fascinating that 
I, I don't, you know, the whole thing is so fascinating to me because you see like just was with these uh, ballot images, images that are, you know, the technology is there. The it, It's amazing to me that somehow the whole system seems to be designed to be corrupt. I mean, it must be corrupted from the core somewhere. I mean, how is it that so many people are involved? I mean, a lot, you know, we're talking about local people on the county level and and yet somehow they get sucked into even participating in this kind of corruption where they're not, they're protecting the status quo and they're not participating and, and trying to make things more transparent. I mean, somehow there must be, how do you, what do you think about it? Do you think it's a, a you know, the military industrial complex or some corporate owners or, I mean, who, why is this whole system so shoddy when you would think that yeah. it would be, you know, one of the most important and most transparent systems in the country and any country that cares about having a real democracy well let's go let's talk about that then okay who certifies the software who tests it it's in multi-industrial complex it's the yeah. test labs that go ahead and work the programs and uh they're the ones who do the certification okay and uh and then the person who hires them to do this is the corporation who owns the machines yeah and they tell them what to look. Hey, don't look in that software because that's off the shelf. Uh, don't do this and do that. By the way, we're not going to pay unless it works the way. I mean, it's, yeah, sure. it's criminal. Okay. And like you said, it is all secret software. They mm -hmm. got their you know system set up that you cannot look at it because it's our right to have it secret. Well, you better go somewhere else because you don't have that right. right. And, and that's why... You know, transparency is the solution. That's why it's important that these images are put online by precinct with the cash vote records and that anybody could yank down a precinct's worth of ballots. And, uh, and right now, the program that we have, believe it or not, is that it was designed out of Wisconsin that you take the ballot images, put them into a program, and then you buy some simple clickers. Okay, that you know, mm -hmm. you'd use at a concert, one person walks in, you click, and you have two teams. And, uh, and so basically, the program works this way, is that you set up a flat screen TV, you take your laptop, you plug it into it, you load the ballot images up, and you can do 25 ballots in less than a minute of one race. And so if there's team, and let's say you and me, Doug, are on one team, and let's say we're counting for, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders, and uh, and then another team is counting for Hillary. As the ballot comes up, once we see that there's a mark there for Bernie, we click, okay? Mm -hmm. And then if it's Hillary, the other team clicks. At the end of 25, we stop. You and me look at each other and say, okay, I had 15. What did you have, Doug? 15, good. The other team, what did you have? We had nine each. Bang -o. done. Next 25. Real quick. Listen, they only steal if they have impunity. I yeah. see that state after state. I see in my state, because we got a Mickey Mouse hand count that I helped pass in 2006, it wasn't what we wanted, it's what we got. I could see that in the vote by mail, where they do a batch of 200 ballots, and there could be one ballot in Maricopa out of a thousand precincts that you know, when you get the number, what does it mean when it adds up? It means nothing because they're not sorted by precinct. And that's why you find, let's say, for example, like in the 2016 primaries, 
where uh, Bernie Sanders uh, loses the vote by mail by 39 points, and then he only loses by a half a point in the vote by mail, uh, is because somebody's playing around. And in right. the precinct vote, he wins. I mean, it's ridiculous. And like I said, in Arizona, uh, Hillary won vote by mail by 60. Bernie won the precinct vote by 59%. I never saw one like that before in my life. <laughs> it usually be that I would say, oh, my God, look at this. There's four or five point spread. That's interesting. Yeah. And this last cycle, uh, presidentially, uh, the primaries deceived these huge differences. California was uh, 26 points split between the precinct and the other. Wow. And then at the very end, then Bernie starts winning the other vote by mail at the end. That's unaudited, but not by the numbers. you got to realize, election night, Hillary was winning by 26 points. At the very end, she only won by three and a half points. Yeah. And it was unaudited, 34% of the vote. There was no chance that you were going to get caught. I tipped off Ray Lutz in San Diego very right away. And I says, Ray, these numbers are really weird. And we were communicating beforehand. He turned around and sued them in San Diego, took them to court, but was never able to go and get an accounting of the last 34%. They completely refused. And uh, he won the court case, proving that the audits weren't that good, but he was never able to go back because they said it was uh, moot. And, uh, and then they went ahead and passed a law making it legal not to count the last 34%. <laughs> yeah, right. Incredible. You know, it's such a corrupt system. Well, this is the thing that's so amazing to me. I mean, how is it that all these judges, like, you have the story of the, the Ray Moore election in Alabama, and you... Yeah, incredible story. The state to Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, oh, yeah, you've got to keep these ballot images. My God, of course, it's got to be transparent. And the Secretary of State and the, actually asked the Supreme Court to stay the decision until after the election... And I'm just thinking to myself, like, well, is that because he's planning on stealing the election? I mean, why, you know, why would anyone have a problem with election transparency? And yet you see this over and over and over again all over the country where people yeah. don't want you to look at the vote counts. And it's like, well, what do you mean you don't want me to look at the vote counts? Like, this is a democracy, right? This The system should be there to easily be audited by anyone who wants to do it, and yet, you know, the people that stand up and try to do it get stopped, and it, it just happens so consistently in every state, and even on the on the more local levels. I guess you talked a little bit about this uh, this center out of Texas that was training people, training these election, uh, you know, the, the people that work the elections on the local level, and actually saying that they needed. They needed to obfuscate that they needed to be secretive because, you know, just trust the system, you know, training everyone, just trust the system. It's going to work. Don't let people look too deeply because it's just going to throw a monkey wrench into the system and it's going to be a real big pain. So, so, you know, how does this kind of like trickle down? Describe that, that organization in Texas and how that information gets taught to everyone. I mean, because I think a lot of people almost get duped into participating in the system and they don't. They just have faith that it must be working. You know, it's not that everyone's part of this big conspiracy. It's just that a few people, you know, somewhere at the core of this of this system have somehow managed to, like, 
finagle the whole system. And most people are just willing to go along with it. You know, it's easier to just go with the flow, uh, you know, because the more it's almost like a form of denial. I get this in almost every interview that I do on so many different subjects. Like it just seems like the majority of people prefer to be in denial of what's yes. right in front of their face, you know, rather than it's just... Rig- like, like it's a river, river in Egypt. They get it mixed yeah. up with denial. <laughs> right. <laughs> like people. No, it's incredible. Our Doug Lewis came out, believe it or not, out of the Richard Nixon White House. Mm-hmm. He was worked in there with Carl Rove. Okay? Nice. Yeah, in the great. Basement. He started off with John Conley. Our Doug Lewis did. Uh-huh. And... They went ahead and built the election center, and uh, which was a private group that was funded by the vendors and maybe funded by the machine. Okay, sure. And he, uh, our Doug Lewis, set up a school in Alabama, and he certified and recruited sociopaths. In my opinion, I used to be a psychotherapist, mm-hmm. and these are people. Who lie just to lie, I'm telling you. You know, uh, our elections director in Pima County, I've been battling with him ever since 2004. And I know when he's lying, his lips move, okay? Right. And sometimes he would lie and I'd chase him down, you know, and it would, I'd get to the very end and there was nothing there but a lie. And, uh, and so you start profiling and understanding how this system really works is that they got Auburn University to certify election directors and they recruited people that would help build a system that we don't go back and look. And when they steal, they were trained to steal where you can steal where you have impunity in the system. And that's how I look at it. You know, I've become a, I go into a state, I analyze the complete system, and I start trying to figure out where one person can be a gatekeeper, which is usually the election director, who somewhat turns out to be a sociopath, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, and they can set up a system that is so easily to hack. And, and you know, uh, when I, what really woke me up really hard is that Bev Harris, me, Mimi Kennedy, uh, got together with a guy out of Alabama, and uh, he found how fractionalization works in the voting system and how fraction magic. You ever heard of it? Yeah, I've seen that documentary. Will you explain to the listeners what that means, how that works? Well, fraction magic, you think that you have a whole vote. And when you go in to vote, one person, one vote. Right. But behind the scenes, <laughs> I can dial in the results that I want. And, uh, and so basically your vote is fractionalized and I can go ahead. In fact, the guy who found this thing, uh, out of Memphis, Tennessee found that that would not Memphis. I'm sorry. Out of Tennessee that they had fractionalized it and he was in a situation that they could dial in a result. And, and what he found was because the voter database was tied to the, election database that when black people went to vote they were real nice they gave them five-eighths of a vote okay amazing Which was originally how states had population and how voting worked in some of these southern states 
is that black people were counted as five eighths of a vote. Sure. Okay. And they and and and, and I forget what exact uh, county it was. I think it was Memphis, maybe. That the always it was a very heavily black population, but they always hired white prosecutors. So Judge Joe Brown, who is a very famous judge, in fact, you might have saw him on TV. He uh, did uh, the uh, court judges on TV. And what made him famous is that he also did the trial of uh, uh, the guy who killed uh, Martin Luther King. Oh, wow. That judge. Okay. And, uh, and the trial was put together. It was a mock trial, but he was the judge on it. And at the very end, it came out that uh, that the guy who killed Martin Luther King did not do it. It was another guy, and it was a whole setup and how the whole thing really worked. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, after his TV career, he came back, and he wanted to run. And he ran, and he lost in a black community. Right. And so he hooked up with Bev Harris and others, huh. and, uh, and they were able to go ahead and find that the voter database was rigged and it was fractionalized. And so basically, when a black person went in to vote, their vote was five-eighths five of a vote. And when a white person went to vote, they got the rest. And yeah. they could also in rig. And so he lost the election, as popular as he was. And so they found out that it was rigged and how they did it. And then Bev Harris and me got together and when we, the California thing, we started investigating and we realized that they were using these Pitney Bowl machines. And I saw a video and the lady said, gee, if you, we mail you a ballot, it's out of San Diego. And if that ballot was to be lost, we will send you a new one. But I want you to know if that ballot comes in, we'll know instantly. So it told me that the voter database was hooked up to the Pitney Bowl. And as these ballot envelopes came through the machine, it's a very long machine. It could be, you know, 200 feet long and it's, you know, and it shoots around. It takes a picture of your signature. And as soon as it takes a picture of your signature, it can say, oh, guess what? Uh, your signature didn't match. So we're going to have to take yours and do it by eye. Mm -hmm. Okay. But that won't happen until after the election. Right. Well, they knew because of the voter database and the intel that they're collecting, now how you're going to vote beforehand because you donated money, because you put on your Facebook, hey, I support Bernie Sanders. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So they could flag your ballot, move it, and put you at the 34% because 34% of the ballots were not counted until after the election. But on election night, they'd want to do their drawings so they were only verifying the first 64% of the vote. So basically in California, uh, Hillary won the vote by mail by 63. Bernie lost the precinct vote after 500,000 of his people were forced into provisional ballots. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you could see the whole scam coming right down. And then you could steal with impunity in the 34% that was left. Right. Amazing. That's the kind of voting system we have. Yeah. <laughs> okay? That, that kind of power, and we want to take that power away. We want to take away their impunity to cheat. And how are we going to do that? Ballot images. And then use those ballot images, have a, uh, a system to go back randomly to verify that they're real. Mm -hmm. Hey, 
you know, on all the vote by mail in California, if they had the digital system, they could marry your ballot right to the image with a number. Because these machines, if they put the inkjet back in it, would code the ballot with a unique number and tie it to the image. Right. The images could be put online publicly that anybody could audit. Yeah. And that's an impunity buster right there. So what caused the um, the the vote counting machine companies to change and add? I mean, you know, because that, again, like back in the day, I, I remember uh, talking to Bev Harris. We were talking about the Diebold machines. It almost seemed like these manufacturers were producing these machines. I think you even mentioned at one point and some of the stuff that I was reading that it used to be ES&S that you were kind of fighting with, and now you're working with ES&S because they decided to start using these these ballot Im imaging machines. I mean, they, they changed their machines. Why did they change? Did they did they see the light? Did they have a change of heart? Did they actually want to try to do the right thing? And, and now we have this opportunity to be able to audit these machine-counted votes? What was happened, there is a place in California called Humboldt County. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, they are, I guess, a very progressive community. I don't know if because of the marijuana they grow, I don't know. But yeah, just a bit. I've heard. I've heard. <laughs> They're just north of us. I'm in Mendocino County, so I'm close to Humboldt. Guy had in, uh, put together a program that they could, well, they could scan the ballots, and those ballots could be put online. And, uh, and so basically, they uh, came up with a system in the, that could verify. In fact, the first time they did it, they found a glitch. Huh. And the D-Bolt system was throwing away 200 ballots on every election. No way. And it was happening since the very beginning. And so this was just a local activist in Humboldt, huh? I mean, these people in yes. Humboldt County decided, hey, you know, there's a problem with these machines. Here's a solution. And they just did it on their yeah. own. That's that's great. That's a great story. And then it, it and it spread from there. Yeah, they brought a scanner in. They scanned the ballots, mm -hmm. and then they went ahead and uh, you know uh, uh, the the elections director. After doing that, became one of the most popular people in Humboldt County. You sure. Know, usually, elector. Oh, I, I don't want to see people. I mean, trust elections. You know, yeah, yeah. Age or whatever. She became very popular, <laughs> and so they had found this error rate, and then. You know, it's kind of interesting, you know, Humboldt County, I think Bernie Sanders won Humboldt County like by 63 or 64 percent. Right. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of like if you look at the rest of these large counties and how bad they went for Bernie, you know, um, that you could see that something was rigged because Humboldt County looked more representative because he won that by 63 percent because mm -hmm. There's, they can't steal with impunity in Humboldt County because they take the ballots and after done, they take them and run them through a digital scanner and then they make an image and then they give it the, they post the images online by precinct. That's what we want to do. You you mentioned you mentioned as well that this is um, not even just the next best thing to having the paper ballot trail, but actually experts are saying that this is really easily verifiable. It's just as good as, as the paper ballot count by hand method. And it does have all the convenience of the modern technology with, you know, basically the same kind of verification potential as just hand counted paper ballots do. 
Exactly. Yeah, that's amazing. They're married. They could be married to each other. Mm -hmm. uh, you can go ahead, put them online. You could have ballot parties. Uh, you know, you could come to my house. I'll have, let's say, three people with me. Uh, we have clickers. We turn right around. Uh, you know, I have a computer projector, or I can put it on a flat screen TV. You know, we get the clickers, and there you go. You start counting real quick. This is an impunity buster. And that's what we have to have is that we need elections in this country. It's three things, transparent, trackable, and publicly verified. Mm -hmm. I want you to know um, uh, many European countries will not use counting machines to count their vote. They hand count. Yeah. Germany, 100%. France, they got glass boxes. They got people who come in and count. Uh, you know, we need to develop that culture to do that same thing here. You know, uh, do you want results that are super fast and not accurate, or do you want accuracy? We could have accuracy. It may take a little longer, you know, uh, but not really that much longer. Realistically, if I was a man of power and I had my way, first off, we wouldn't be voting on a Tuesday. We'd be voting on a Sunday or yeah, a Saturday. of course, right. We yeah. would have a system that uh, federally, you know, I'm for state rights. The solution to me is, is that all federal elections are hand counted because how many elections could you have? Three, sometimes two, sometimes only one. Yeah. Because you've got senators, you only got two, and it's a six year, so it's one two year period that you're not going to have any senator on the race, and maybe no president. So all you're going to have is your own, uh, you know, your own precinct or your own district. Uh, that would be the only thing to be counted and make the states compete against that because democracy is just too damn important. Because I'll say this election fraud in this country has been going on for a long time. It really has. Mm -hmm. And I can see that very clearly when they tried to start telling us that these machines are better. Well, machines could count better, but the only problem is there's human beings playing around with the goddamn things. Right. They're too damn easy to rig. And they have been. Uh, and I've seen it over and over again. And I'm seeing it in the last couple of cycles. What I used to see as a split of maybe four, five, six percent. In this last cycle, my God, I saw splits, which I call the difference between your precinct vote and your vote by mail as high as uh, 40%. And that's incredible to see that in the same precinct. Well, and what blows me away is that they don't like this is a huge red flag. Like the red flag should be going off and then we should be having audits. You know, <laughs> like. Like, it's just mind-boggling to me that the mainstream media or the press isn't all over something like this and saying, oh my God, obviously something is happening with the election system and then the public's not getting kind of outraged or the, you know, the state secretaries of states aren't looking at these things and going like, well, this is obviously completely messed up. We need to have a recount and we need to figure this out. I mean, what do you think is going on that people are just like, they're not motivated? I mean... One of the things you mentioned earlier and I wanted to bring back up was that you were talking about formally being considering yourself an environmentalist before you discovered yeah. that this was the problem. Well, it's like, yeah, I don't care what issue is your favorite issue that you're really passionate about. 
all of us need to be passionate about this because nothing is going to change. It doesn't matter how many times you hit the streets or how many minds you change. If they're rigging the elections, then it, it you know, your issue doesn't matter. No issue matters because they'll just rig the election. I mean, so everyone should be, you know, interested in this and, and there should be a lot more just, you know, I mean, I don't even know. Is it a democracy if nobody cares? <laughs> You know, I don't know. You know, I know that uh, I care. You care. There's a lot of us out there. A lot of us are right. just being convinced, uh, you know, told everything's fine. These machines count better than people do. And, and you know, machines are capable of counting better. But there's a problem. There's somebody in between us and the machines. And there's secret software and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. it's, it's killing us. It's killing this country. To think that we have a person like Trump as president now, okay? Uh, you know, it's it's so bad that, believe it or not, I guess in the last presidential election, which they always say every presidential is the most important, 106 million people did not vote. That's incredible. Right. The largest group of voters in this country is a group called non-voters. They won't vote. Yeah. And a lot of them don't believe that their vote really counts. I don't know how many millions. I mean, probably a bunch of them just don't give a shit, period. That's it. They're done. Sure. But there are a large amount who look at me and say, come on, John, do you really believe this is honest? You know, uh, you know, they don't. And, uh, and, and that's damaging. And that's why, you know, to me that we got to organize, we have to fight. We have to make elections transparent, trackable, and publicly verified now. Yeah. And we don't have to pass any laws to do this. What I'm doing is that, uh, you know, when I can put the funds together, I'm going out to these states and I'm suing them. Yeah. I sued them in Alabama and won in trial court. Okay. Now, when you get to the higher level, there's games played and uh, they kicked the case out. Alabama, I won in trial court, uh, but then the Secretary of State, who's a, a character, uh, like no other. I mean, if you follow what he's been doing or whatever. And same thing happening uh, in other states. But in Alabama, we uh, uh, our case got kicked because they said that we didn't have the right to sue. Yeah. I won in trial court, okay? And the judge said very simply that you cannot destroy these things they are in the chain of custody. I get they appeal. Uh, they uh, it, it was really bizarre because, you know, we won the case and we're driving to Montgomery because I planned to work the election out of Montgomery. And when the time I got there, uh, they had a special hearing where the, we weren't involved and they convinced these uh, all these Republicans on the, uh, I guess, the Supreme Court of Alabama and uh, and. Then we, I spent another ten grand, you know, in briefs and things like that, right there. And then we find at the very end they didn't even read the brief. The Secretary of State gave him all this bad information. We file our brief, and he has so much time to file, he never even filed. Wow! And then they booted the case, saying that we didn't have the right to sue. They huh. never answered the point. The point is, it's a chain of custody. You cannot break the chain, just like that thing I made about the marijuana, okay? This is what you counted. 
how can you destroy what you just counted? You can't. And it's a public record on top of that. Mm -hmm. And this is happening all over. People, you know, believe it or not, these ballot images in the state of New York, they've had them since 2008 because they refused to trade in their other old machines that were more reliable than getting uh, these new uh, optical scanners that used a light bouncing off to count. And because of that, you know, New York just had a case that just happened that ballot images are now a public record in the state of New York. And uh, they have not released it yet because we're making sure the appeal process has gone by. But they're in a situation that they, let's put it this way, you're not going to commit the crime if you know you're going to get caught. If you're going to steal, you want to steal with impunity. And New York is not a good place to manipulate elections. Right. Okay? And uh, because people will be able to get those images uh, by filing records requests, really the best way to get the images, in our opinion, and what we want to do is start working with candidates and states that they will file a contest right away. Uh, and usually those posting periods are five or ten days. It's a very unique opportunity. And you file a records request, and your honors, we want these images. They are a public record, and we want to look at them and have them ready for court. And then they can test them and then say, hey, they add up right. Now we just want to look at some of the originals to make sure they're good. Case resolved. Now, I know if those images get publicly released, they're not going to steal there. But they'll find other ways to steal. Mm -hmm. And the other ways that they can wind up stealing is ballot stuffing. They control the voter databases. They know that if you say, uh, California is getting crazy, I'm moving to New York, my vote's safer there. Well, as soon as you get to North, New York, these databases communicate with each other. They know you're gone. Because when you register in New York, they contact California. There could be a lag time in the loop. So maybe somebody will cast a vote by mail for you. Right. You there are a lot of ways to game the system. And, uh, but it would be nice if we could make the black box into a transparent box yeah. and then we could focus on the vote by mail. See what I'm saying? And take that impunity away from the system. Because what I do is I'm an impunity buster. I take away your impunity to steal. And how do I do that? I'm going to make you paranoid. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to train other people to do that. And, uh, cause they only steal if they have impunity. I mean, that's just the thing. If these ballot images are posted online, even if there aren't, even if there aren't a lot of people that are having clicker parties like you're describing, they, yep. they know the information is out there. It's already going to be a deterrent. You know, people aren't going to be trying to rig elections if they know that anybody and everybody, if they felt like it could be double checking this stuff. And so, I mean, how, how important is that? How, let, let's get into a little bit about how common are these new machines now that they have the, with the with the ballot imaging technology. Are they across the country at this point? Are there more and more They're coming of them? The, the old system has gone extinct. Mm -hmm. And what made it go extinct is the oldest thing that happened, money. The old system, when you made a ballot, needed to be made by a huge press, okay? Right. And it was stamped. Interesting. Okay, and... And with the mark sense technology, you make a mark, it sensed it. It had to be perfectly made. The ballot had to be perfect because mm -hmm. if it didn't, 
Because, you know, it's only reading inside the bubble. Mm -hmm. That's all it's reading. And if it's off, it could read the lines around the bubble. Okay? Or if there's dust in it, it might read the dust. Because what is it doing? It's reflecting back. And, uh, and so that was a great system to steal. You make it hard for the ballot to be taken up because you're afraid you might be a candidate, put a piece of lead below your finger, make a mark on the ballot. This new system takes a digital copy. Mm -hmm. And that copy belongs to all of us. And that is the impunity buster. But what have they done? They've hit them. They don't advertise the fact most people don't even know that there's an image made of every ballot. Yeah, right. I mean, it's crazy. The first time did you find out that there was an exact copy made of every ballot? <laughs> I think it was last week when I was reading your stuff that I finally realized that, you know, this is actually that there is a solution out there. I've known that they're about the problem for a long time, but I didn't realize that. You know, this is a solution that you guys are working on right now just to try to wake people up to the fact that these things should be publicly available. Um, yeah, I didn't even know about it. Yeah. And, and so what are the laws? There are laws on the books that are requiring, you know, on the precinct level, these people to, to hold on to these images for what, like 22 months after an election? And yet, yes. well, I mean, this is what just blew my mind is that they buy these machines, they have this technology, they they take these ballot images, and then they just delete them the next day so nobody can... I mean, how do they how do they justify that? <laughs> it just they boggles, it boggles my mind. That's why I'm winning in court. Mm -hmm. and that's why it's important that, you know, I do more interviews, I get with people like you, I, I can see that you're well-informed, you care, and... Yeah. Uh, and I can see because of the new media, you're trying to develop a different kind of a media because it's all changing. You know, uh, every time a reporter, I've been doing this for 14 years. Yeah. And I've worked with some great reporters in the very beginning. And at the very end, they got drummed out of the industry because every time they reported the truth, they were driving a nail in their journalistic coffin. That's amazing that you can tell, you know, you can tell me that from personal experience that, I mean, what, you know, the editors of these newspapers, they just don't allow these reporters to report on this issue. I mean, how do you think, how do you think they can control them? This is just what's so mind boggling. I mean, again, like we talked Advertising, about. Advertising, money. Yeah. The, the corporations. Yep. Yep. And the corporations, what are there, five media companies in this country now? Yeah. They own everything. Radio, the same things happened there that the conglomerates have taken in. And uh, it's very hard uh, for good people to really get our story out. And that's what you're doing is very important, what I'm mm -hmm. doing. And somehow we have to find a way of a medium to get through to the American people and let them know that they've been snowed. And they've been snowed for a long time. Yeah. Oh, it's just so, so mind-boggling to me. The extent, I mean, I, you know, I guess that things have just been centralized to such a point that presumably the very people that are investing in these, in these electronic machine companies are the same people that own these media corporations, or there's some kind of connection going on there, because then you've got a problem of this magnitude and this scope. And just, I mean, just hearing you tell the story about working with reporters who then get forced out of the industry because they're trying to get this message across. Yeah. I mean, you would think... It's just, it's mind-boggling to imagine that somehow our entire system has evolved to this place where people who tell the truth are getting, 
you know, don't have a platform to be able to express it, especially about something as important as this. It's it's just so difficult to put my finger on. I, I think you're onto something with this notion that you know they they can you can create a system that has the, these kind of funnels, and then you put these. I you, when you were talking earlier about a few a handful of sociopaths in the right places, you know, and it's very few. It's very few, and, and that's mm-hmm. I want to make sure. Most people who work in elections are really good people, and I do not want to despair right. people. And uh, I have a lot of friends, but they are—they have procedures, and they have to follow procedures, and uh, and they cannot go back and check. Uh, and I would say that in a large part of these municipalities, because of our Doug Lewis, uh, because of the election center and certifying election directors. They went out and recruited a lot of sociopaths. Mm-hmm. They really did. The guy who runs Pima County, he's a sociopath. Uh, I used to be a psychotherapist. Okay. I recognize, uh, you know, at one point uh, the community was ready to lynch him and he got in big trouble and he had to go publicly and people would line up and yell at him. Wow. He would just say, next. Yeah, yeah. And what happened? He got a big raise. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Hey, survive this and you'll get more money, but you got to take this bull. Right. Know, we made a documentary movie. Uh, we found in one election here, we spent nine years in court on a $2 billion bond fraud. Okay. It was an RT, a regional transportation, raised a sales tax a half a percent over mm-hmm. 20 years. And uh, it was stolen. And we could prove it. We even had a confession. We spent, I wow. went, we went through. The uh, uh, the court system in Arizona one and a half times, hmm. nine years, and at that point is when I recognized that uh, I couldn't do that again and take another case on for nine years. But I worked with a great attorney, and I found out how I could use the law by following the law. And my job is to become an expert, and then to be able to hit them on certain points. And I knew how public records work. And I knew these ballot images came along that they're public record. Right. Ballots are a public record, but they're unique. So what excuse do they have with the images? And then to find out they were destroying them. Why? Because they're protecting their right to cheat now or in some future election. Because if you get the images saved, you've taken away their impunity to steal. Yeah. It gives yeah. us more time to focus now on ballot stuffing. And then working these uh, voter databases and how they're connected state to state and how they're communicating. And then, you know, doing uh, getting crews put together to go out and find out, you know, that guy who voted lives in New York. He Mm -hmm. doesn't live at that address. And a lot of times you're going to find that the vendors are somewhat involved. That is where a lot of the problems. There's not Russians in our voting system. There are corporate greed, uh, which is the oldest problem we've always had in this country yeah for is, sure you know uh, greed it's 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 really hideous how vulnerable our voting system really is and how the solutions could be pretty simple yeah yeah just i know um i think we've got about 15 minutes left and i definitely want to get to some of the solutions that you have on the website because you really actually because the laws are pretty clear 
um, you have some simple steps for people to be able to file lawsuits and be active in their own community to try to get this to happen. But I wanted to ask you a question first, just to go back to this Bernie Sanders primary, which has woken a lot of people up, I think. A lot of people saw this and went, wait a minute, this is really funny. You know, there's some really funny business going on here. Uh, and a lot, especially of progressive people, have realized that the system is very much working against them. And uh, so they've started looking into things like this. But uh, you worked um, with this lawyer on the Wisconsin recount, right? Can you describe what that was like? Like they started doing the recount and then it just kind of fizzled from the news. And But you were doing some work up there in well, Wisconsin. Three weeks of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so just, yeah, I was curious to hear the well, story behind what that. A, what, a, what a story that was. First off uh-huh. is that uh, the attorney that I work with, uh, is uh, named Chris Sauter. Chris Sauter is probably one of the top election attorneys in the United States. Okay, he's been doing elections since 1984, and uh, he uh, was in the room in Florida in 2000 when they made that really stupid mistake. Okay, and he told him, "Hey, count the whole state. Count the whole state. No, we're going to cherry pick." And yeah. uh, and and you know, it turned out that no matter which way you ever added up Florida, Bush never won it. Right. Okay? And it was stopped because of the stupid mistakes that uh, the law firm made in not listening to Chris Sauter, who's the attorney that I work with. How I met Chris is like I told you about the Arizona story in the very beginning, that they sent him in. He was the attorney. Me and Chris were funded, and we went to Wisconsin. And as soon as I got up to Wisconsin... When I found out that they weren't going to hand count the whole state, and I watched how the hand counts were being done, I go, boy, this is really good. So then I started chasing only the counties. So I had two teams. I had Jim March, and uh, who was with Black Box Voting, who was with me for many years, and his wife uh, with one team, and me and Chris with the other. And we started focusing on the counties that were in hand counting. And then I get into uh, one of the counties, uh, Milwaukee, and my God, I couldn't believe what I found. Hmm. It was wow. shocking. They had a cellular phone modem built into the system. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's how they moved results. Jeez. I was shocked. And the counties that had the machine, that had the cell phone built into the goddamn machine to send the results in, would not hand count. Yeah. Okay. But they would separate out the ballots. And most of the work was to, first off, okay, we got 500 ballots. Do we have 500 signature rosters? I mean, signatures. If you don't, then we have to do this magic drawing and pull out the ballots and make a match. And then you would be very easy. Now let's count them. Let's mm-hmm. make a pile of Hillary's ballots. Let's make a pile of Trump ballots and any others. No. They then turn around and run through a machine again. The same machine that counted them the first time. And like I said, fraction magic, what makes you think it's going to be different? Okay. Uh, It's going to come up with the same damn results. That's another shocking aspect to these recounts is they just run it through the same machine again. Oh yeah. Recount. Okay. Here you go. Oh wow. It's the same. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, that's how that's, you know, just like, like what in, in the United States, five, Hundred and eighty thousand Volkswagens passed emissions every time. 
and they weren't 40% over, they were 4,000% over, okay, pollution-wise, and it never caught them because they built a system to cheat. And I could see how fraction magic works and that, uh, that that is how they could have done it. Did they do it? I don't know. I do know one thing. It was used in the primary mm-hmm. because the primary was about insiders and outsiders, meaning Bernie was considered an outsider and he wasn't part of the machine that the Democratic Party has become and the Republican Party who feed off the same trough with big money because elections now are money. I'm seeing races in this country, you know, a race in Pima County a couple of years ago. I guess they spent something like $80 per vote. That's insanity for a house race uh, to pump in the millions of dollars that they put into it. And this is happening all over the country. And they got the machines where they have what they want. And they are stopping progressives uh, uh, like myself, uh, Bernie, uh, uh, people who do not bite onto the system. So, you know, you've got a Republican Party and a Democratic Party, like I said, that was rejected. And, uh, and, and Trump was an outsider. And some people I know voted for Trump because they figured if we're going to all let's let's cave the system in now. Trump's sure. the one to do it. Uh, I wasn't for that. I can tell you that, right? I thought that was insanity. Let's <laughs> kill ourselves to get ahead or, or change the system. Yeah. And uh, and so we're now at a point in time that we, we, we know that these ballot images, we know that all the machinery is changing. And by 2020, it could be as high as 90%. And we know that the D- old DREs are going bye-bye. Everything's now going to be hard-counted paper. Now, it depends what kind of paper. Is it paper that you handmarked and I handmarked or a machine did now? Because the new DREs, direct recording electronics, produce a piece of paper that it marks. So what do you got? You got a $6,000 pencil. (laughs) Sounds a little insane, doesn't it? Right. To replace a pencil or a pen with a machine, that means you have in this voting area, you may have to have eight of those machines rather than having one good digital scanner that creates an image that's public and then the ballot is used uh, to protect that and that they're connected together. That would be a system that I could live with until we get people used to going back to a small precinct, knowing our neighbors. Uh, The best election I ever did was at an Indian reservation that they called us in Wow. And that was a celebration. That was community. Around the three precincts they had, there was a fiesta going on. Hmm. The uh, Indian reservation, people have carne asadas. Hey, come over here. Uh, please vote for my candidate. And, uh, and, then at the, and then all of a sudden, the bus pulls up, and these guys in orange jumpsuits jump out. They're prisoners. And they went in to vote. Because you were saying to them, you're still part of our community. You're going to get out and you're still, we're not going to disenfranchise like you, like they do in many states. Okay. And, and, uh, and so at the very end, they paid me to look at their election, but really I thought, my God, I, I should pay them because it was quite an experience to see the community and the excitement of how elections really should work. And I really believe that we can get there 
and make federal elections all hand counted and, a, and an election all by itself is part of the solution because ballot images for me are a way to get to the original ballots to prove it's real. Yeah, sure. Okay? Like I said, in the very beginning in the state of Arizona, I cannot look at the original ballots unless the results are within one tenth of one percent. And by the way, I'm not going to be able to touch them. I'm not going to be able to count them. We're going to run through a, the same machine again. And what did Einstein say about stuff like that? <laughs> it was the same thing over and over again, expecting the same, re a different result is insanity, a sign of insanity. Yeah. And that is what our system is really built on. And what we're proposing and, uh, you know, is to have these images put online by precinct that anybody can count them. And, uh, and I guarantee they're going to probably count up pretty good because the way we took away their imputed and cheap. How did we do that? We made them paranoid. What a solution, huh? Yeah, paranoid. yeah. You know, not a bad thing. It's amazing what real transparency can accomplish, you know? Yeah. It's actually yeah. It amazes me that they can get away with doing all this behind closed doors and, and Americans just don't get it. They don't realize just how flawed the system is. So talk about the actual laws. Like we discussed just a little bit, they're supposed to hold on to these public records for 22 months after the election. And then are they, they're not obligated just now to actually post these ballot images, are they? But you can, can you sue them to get them to yes. post these, to make them public? That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. Because and... I know on the website, I mean, it was not even very expensive and fairly simple for any citizen of any county to just file for one of these, these memorandums. And get the people, you know, get the the legal system involved in looking into it pretty pretty much right away. It's all, it almost seemed like something that you know the average the average person could do if they wanted to become active in this. If the average person, if we could get the population really to understand this, you'll find that there are a lot of other people who really care, but they don't know. It's mm -hmm. shocking yeah. that when you know I struggle so hard to try to get this information out. And, uh, you know, I am trying to raise funds. I'm going for some grants as we speak uh, to go ahead and keep suing different state after state. And I think eventually they're going to cave in. And then uh, to go ahead, the next phase for us is to recruit candidates that will create a contest and immediately file for the images, file a contest and say, I want the ballot images in discovery, which they should be able to get, and then uh, quickly look at them, and if everything adds up, dismiss the case. Hopefully enough of us do that, eventually it will catch on everywhere, Yeah. and these images can be put online, anybody can analyze, and it's an impunity buster. Take away their impunity to steal. That is what we're trying to do. It could happen. Yeah. Yeah, it really seems it really seems like it could. And like I, you know, we've talked about it before, whatever issue that you care about until the election system is is straightened out here, you know, I mean, this should this needs to be the number one issue on on everybody's, you know, everybody's ticket. A any issue that you care about that you want to change through the democratic process, if we don't fix this first, I mean, left or right, you know, progressives aren't allowed uh, to, to succeed, but neither are say Ron Paul libertarians. I mean, you know, on, on right. either, either side of a left, right paradigm, wherever you lie, we're all losing because of this. Uh, and any particular issue that any of you care about who are listening to this, 
you know, unless we start to focus on this, then there's no reason to focus on any other issues because there's no way to make change. I mean, there's just no way to make positive change until until we figure this one out. So, Unless we want to go into a revolution or a revolt or a collapse, because I'm afraid the way our country is being stolen, yeah. sold down the river to special interest, that one day we're going to wake up and find out that what we thought was ours is not ours. I think that's already happening. I think the massive deficits that are happening, the uh, sure. uh, the theft that's going on uh, and the cover-ups is just incredible. It's You know, uh, we have to force people to take our dollars overseas. Our biggest export, what is it? Garbage? Right. Is that our biggest export now? <laughs> oh. In dollars. And controlling the dollars. And having our military all over the world. It's a dangerous world and we're living in it. And, 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 I, and I worry terribly about my grandchildren. I mean, that's a big motive for me sure. uh, to do this because this is, uh, you know, I've been doing this now for 14 years and it's a heavy load to know what I know. And, uh, and, right. and now to know that the solution is pretty simple. It's called transparency. That's what we need. Elections that are transparent, trackable, and publicly verified. And we don't have to spend special laws what we have to do is to get people to understand that we still have the power of being able to file records requests take them into court educate candidates get them to sign a pledge that they will not accept a win or loss until it's verified and that they challenge elections and file this records request and get those ballot images Those are the tricks that we can do to take away their impunity to steal. Mm -hmm. And I've done it. I've stopped the theft in a couple of elections because they only steal if they have impunity. Take away their impunity to steal and then focus on the other areas because they're going to wind up saying, well, let's try it this way, which would be ballot stuffing and, uh, and, and dealing with that. So there is hope. Mm -hmm. There has to be. And, uh, you know, on that. And so that's what I work for, hope and making elections transparent, trackable and publicly verified. Right. I mean, it's very much like you say that if we can't, you know, what is the option? If we can't use the ballot box to change the government, then there there is only violent revolution. And I, you know, yeah. I think the, the vast majority of us that are seeking nonviolent solutions to what's going on here, you know, it's just about raising awareness, but then getting people to really say, hey, you know, we... We have to focus on this issue. We have to take the vote back. We have to regain control of our government so that we can make the changes that everybody wants, that we can actually have a functional government again uh, without having to go through any of this kind of, you know, violent upheaval or economic collapse or what, you know, the other ways that change will come when the people's voice is not getting heard for a long enough period of time. I mean, I, you know, we've already seen that What the system is doing is getting so far away from what the people want with all the overseas wars and all the massive military spending. And I, I mean, just, you know, the vast majority of Americans don't approve of any of this stuff. And yet the government just does it and nobody can change it. And everybody's really frustrated. So where is this going to end? I mean, at some point, you know, there's going to be a violent confrontation unless people learn how. And I think using the court systems localizing issues and using the court systems are, are the biggest ways to be able to make change for your community uh, in a nonviolent way. I mean, we still have the legal system. 
Uh, we can use it to apply pressure and to get these things uh, out in the open and, uh, you know, take the power back. So I, I hope that a lot of people can listen to this message and start paying attention to it. And even if just a few people in every precinct filed one of these writs and, you know, got made, made the local government have to start looking into these things and have to keep these these records on hand and allow just a few people to be able to look over this stuff or, you know, even better, require them to make this stuff public, yeah. then as you say, that the impunity is removed and these guys just can't get away with it anymore. I mean, they know that somebody's going to catch them, uh, you know, someday. They're not going to be able to do it like they've been doing it. So, but yeah. got to raise the awareness. The writ of mandamus is, uh, what is the writ of mandamus? Your Honor. Could you please order these people to follow the law? Right. <laughs> That's all I want, right? You know, these are public records. And you file a writ of mandamus. And it's our right. And, you know, uh, and you prove to the court they can't destroy them, Your Honor, because it's in the chain of custody. It's how do you destroy the evidence of what you just counted? You cannot break the chain. It's like that analogy I said. You know, if I bust you with that pound of pot and the time it shows back up, there's only a half ounce left. Right. It, it's thrown out. The chain of custody is everything. And, and it's very clear in the law. And, you know, when we talk about election systems, you know, these systems have been developed over hundreds of years. And, and, uh, and somehow through these computer systems, they've convinced people that machines count better than people. Mm -hmm. We don't want hand counting. That's bad. Well, no, no, that's the only way we're going to be able because these computers, they'll do what you want them to do. You can design the formula and what you want. That's what fraction magic was, was a formula to steal. And you had to fractionalize the vote because you had to make it come out perfect. If 999 people voted and you always came one up or one down, you know it's a program. But if you fractionalize it, it will come right exactly to the exact point. So 999 vote, the decision, it won't, it, it will come up perfect because it knows how to roll up and roll down. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that easy and they make it so hard. And, uh, and that's where, uh, these digital scanners has been a very big blessing for these to come in because the law is very clear. You cannot destroy these images. And that's why these mandamuses work so well is because once you present the evidence, the judges instantly understand it because mm -hmm. of, you know, like I said, using that pound of pot, you know, so it comes up with a half the judge knows that it's been played with and it's, you destroyed the, the uh, chain of custody and chain of custody is everything in an election or in, in a drug case too. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, I think this, this education you know, the judges need to be educated as well. The average citizens need to be educated. The The people that are working in the local government need to understand that, you know, the, this kind of corruption is has just become so epidemic. And, and I think that once that it's like the light bulb will go on, then everyone yeah. in our communities will want to make this change. I mean, right? yeah. we all we all want to live in a functional democracy. So. So, uh, you know, one would would really have to believe that the judges will be on your side once you show up and you say, hey, the, you know, like you're talking about, it's a very, very simple law. Yeah, on the community uh, level. On a lower level, I have not lost a case yet. Right. But when it gets up to the higher level, that's how the politics plays out. Sure. In uh, Alabama, I guess they have nine judges that are all Republicans, okay, on their uh, Alabama Supreme Court, okay, and 
they, like I said, we won the trial uh, at, to go ahead and preserve the images. And then uh, what do they do? They run to the Alabama Supreme Court. They tell them that uh, they can't because they, it's impossible and make all these lies up. Then I spend 10 grand, you know, going ahead and having an answer back. We solidly proved that the other side made up stuff and this is not a problem. The other side didn't even respond. And then at the end of the case, they kicked the case out and say, uh, we didn't file right. Then they destroy the ballot images and the ballots. Yeah, okay? right, right. I mean, that's, this is how it really kind of works. And uh, all I know is this, is that uh, we, we can, we can got to keep doing it. We got to keep trying because if we don't, what's our ultimate choice? Yeah. That fourth box is the cartridge box. Like I said, democracy's on four boxes. I'm on a soapbox, ballot box, jury box, cartridge box. Yeah. I won't go to that fourth box. Yeah. I'm going right. to keep fighting in the first three. And we found something that I think that could really work. It was incredible to know what may save this country is the technology changed. Mm -hmm. And there's a loop that we can go in and win. And we can win on the trial level, but getting up to the top could be hard. But during that process, more people are going to be educated. And that's going to be the fight. That seems like the solution. If you could get everybody, you know, a couple of people in every county and every precinct to file one of these writs. And then there's, instead of just your case going to the Supreme Court, they had 100 of them or 200 of them, then they wouldn't just be able to write them off the way that they do. They'd have to pay attention to it. Um, that's right. And so the more people that get involved in something like this, the quicker this change can happen. And, that, you know, as you've pointed out, legally, it's right there. It's a no brainer. I mean, people, local judges are not yep. going to turn you down. It's, it's a very simple legal case. Um, and if we just if we just press it, then uh, we can make this change. So and that's what we have to do. And we can do that. And uh, but it's going to, you know, it's going to take funding and uh, recruiting candidates, getting them educated. Mm -hmm. uh, the digital future is here and it's a blessing. Uh, that these digital images are because I'll say this, they should have had them by 2000. You know that, right? Sure. Yeah. That we, you know, this is digital. It started, the digital revolution started in like 80 something. Okay. Right. <laughs> Voting system was one of the last ones to change because God forbid if they, oh my God, you mean to tell me there's images? We can't have that. You know, we already got a law saying they can't look at it. What excuse are we going to have with the images? Because the excuse on the ballot is, is that maybe the wrong person will put a piece of lead, make a mark on a ballot, create an overvote. And, you know, uh, I've seen elections that they did that. And the one that they did it was in Virginia. Okay? Virginia, 80% of their state is ballot imaged. And they had a special election in 2007 for their house. And believe it or not, uh, there was a lot of excitement, and they almost took the House and Senate over in, in Virginia. Uh, and... But what, and I guess it's a really just not a House and Senate. I guess it's a uh, hundred people and they serve in a body and it's a little different than most states. Mm -hmm. And it got to be 50 50, uh, 49. It was within one, it, was, it came down to one vote supposedly. And it looks like they rigged it. Yeah. To, in order for the Republicans to hold power. Hmm. And they destroyed all the ballot images. So there's no way of going back to look at the images. And legally, you cannot destroy them. And that's what we're proving. And that's an easy win. 
is to get that part right there. And so now going after candidates, that's the part of the phase that we want to do next to recruit them. Sure. They will file a contest right away and not accept a win or the loss until the election is transparent, trackable, and publicly verified, and that those images are released to the public. Yeah. And they can be put online by precinct, a simple program you could download and plug your t- to your TV, invite some friends over, get some clickers, and there you go. Yeah, it's always always surprised me that the, the Al Gores and the John Kerry's and the Ron Paul's and the Bernie yeah. Sanders didn't didn't stand up for that when it was so fairly obvious that these elections have been rigged. Um, I've always been surprised that the candidates won't go there. It seems, you know, they get this perception they're going to be sore losers or, uh, or maybe they're just actually afraid to go against the system and whatever machine is behind the, you know, all of the rigging, they're not screwing around. You know, it is a dangerous game at that level, but, um, but it's unfortunate. I think you're right. I think, you know, certainly, uh, if on the local level, especially if you're running for office, um, just make this part of your platform. Hey, uh, the election, this election is going to be transparent. I'm going to make sure and, and file this lawsuit if, if the, these public documents aren't made public. Um, you know, everybody that runs for office, this should be their number one priority. Even if they lose, then at least they've done, you know, they've done something. They've they've created a, an open and transparent election process. So. So uh, I hope people start to pick up on this message, John. I, I really appreciate your work. I think it's, I mean, as we talked about, other than revolution, you know, this is really the most important. This is the other option. And this is the most important, no matter what your issue is. The, this is the most important issue to get our democracy back on track so we can then start having real conversations about about the other issues that are important to us and maybe, you know, start to get things done uh, instead of just this constant gridlock, except for the more military spending and more wars abroad and more spying at home and, (laughs) you know, all of the stuff that none of us want, but they continue to get funded and continue through this current system uh, to find people somehow making it into Congress that just perpetuated and and don't make any kind of substantive change. So, so thanks again. The movement is happening and uh, we need to, you know, find funding. I, I need to keep suing in different states. Yeah, and, right. Uh, I'm hoping for a grant to come in right now for a quarter million because I got five more states on my list that I want to sue. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I'm very interested in something very exciting is happening right now in the state of Maine next Tuesday. They are a hundred percent digital. Nice. Okay. And they are now they have. Uh, ranked choice of voting, too, up there. Oh, good, and, good. And what they're planning to do in the state of Maine next Tuesday is that all the ballots will be counted by a digital scanner and produce a result election night. But those results, they are using ranked choice voting. And ranked choice voting is a pretty simple system, and we use it all the time. If you go to the store and you want to buy whole milk, but you can't, can you have a second choice of 1%, 2%, or you can go almond milk now mm-hmm. and you make your decision. Now, uh, in May, they're going to rank those choices. Who's your first pick? Hey, I want to vote for hope first because in our country, we vote for the less of two evils. Yeah. They trained us. Right. Okay. Oh, you know, uh, uh, in Arizona, I knew that Hillary wasn't going to win Arizona. And so I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to vote for 
uh, the Green Party. And I got my wife to decide to do the same thing. And then when she got there, she just thought, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it because I know that that Green Party is not going to win. And that's a vote for Trump. And I said, honey, it doesn't make a difference. This is Arizona, okay? They already got it rigged. And Trump's going to win Arizona. And, uh, and that's just the way it's going to be. Right. And uh, it would be nice to be able to say, I'm going to vote for this person because I'm voting for hope. And then I'm voting for the less of two evils over here. You'd be surprised how it could be done because a lot of people are afraid to vote for that Green Party or that independent. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? Sure. Unless they're getting out there working hard. Uh, you know, you can do that in New Hampshire. You can do that in the state of Maine. You know, uh, in the state of Maine, my nephew is running for the United States Senate. Oh, wow. Okay. And he's in a state and he's uh, 29 years old. He is a Republican, but he's really a libertarian. Mm -hmm. And he really is a very unique person uh, who really uh, stands up for what he, he what he believes is right. And uh, and I think he has a pretty I think he has a chance, even though he has no money. But he's uh, uh, one that he's going to win the primary because the other guy that they tried running against him got kicked because he tried to rig his system to get on the ballot. Huh. Okay. And he's in the, uh, he's two terms right now. He's a state senator and he is running against uh, Angus King. And Angus has proven to be a very corporate independent. Yeah. And uh, he was governor before that. And then he ran for the U.S. Senate. And, uh, and so my nephew is running against him and he is a registered Republican, but he's very unique. I can't believe that I would say that I would support him because of just knowing who he is and meeting with him. And he's been a, he is fighting for ranked choice voting up there. And he also knows that these ballot images could be a way that they may not be able to steal the election. Yeah. He's quite a, a unique guy. Eric Brake is his name. Nice. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of instances in this day and age, I think, where the left-right paradigm really kind of breaks down. I mean, this voting issue is one of them. I mean, it doesn't matter... You know, and, and so what I'm finding, I mean, I'm doing this show and a lot of times, actually, I do try to bring the left and the right together. I'm, I'm saying we can't win this if we're going to be divided. You know, we That's need right. to find the, the multitude of issues where just anyone, anyone who believes in democracy, you know, <laughs> then yeah. we need, we can participate together at, at defeating this corporatist system that we're up against right now. So, um, you know, so I really appreciate that. I, I think. You know, I could vote for a Bernie Sanders or a Ron Paul as long as they're not yeah. working with the system, you know, and they right. and they and they have integrity, um, and, and they're really fighting for what they believe in. I mean, these are these are the characteristics that should be important, you know. Um, so, and gosh, these days, both the Republican and the Democratic Party are so in bed with the, you know, the, this the political corruption is just so through the roof. It seems like we've got to find another path, you know, if we're going to get through this. Oh, we have to. It's hideous. Election yeah. integrity, I tell people, is not about the right or left. It's about right, wrong, greed, and corruption. Because that's what rules this country. Yeah, there you go, John. I, 100%. I, I think we better actually kind of shut it down with that one. We're, we're pushing uh, yeah. over an hour and a half now. and so. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. It's been a great Thank conversation. Thank you for having though. me on. Oh, thanks for coming on. Like I said, and, I... I uh, and, you know, anything that... Uh, Hopefully I can do it to get this out to other people and what we're mm -hmm. talking about because we, we got to find a way to reach out 
and let people know that there are solutions out there. It's not hopelessness. Uh, you know, hopelessness is a terrible place to live. It really yeah. is. I have yeah. to fight and do what I do, and I have to do it with love in my heart and, uh, you know, sometimes bite my lip with some people and say, today's not a day I guess I better approach them because, uh, you know, this is not really about them or me. It's about the future, our children and our, my grandchildren. I don't see much of a future for them the way this thing's going. Sure. I think we're heading towards a huge disaster. Well, let's hope we can make these changes before that happens. Yeah, I hope so, too. And thank you for having me on. Definitely. W would you like to uh, give people uh, some contact information if they want to find yeah, out? I, I know certainly would. <clears throat> you know, uh, our site is pretty simple. It's, uh, you know, audit elections with an S, USA. Dot org and uh, you can go to our site and you can also find me on Facebook audit elections uh, or just audit USA I think though that one's set up and uh, and you know uh, follow what we're doing understand what we're doing jump in we can make a difference okay uh, it, you know it's amazing that when you really work this thing really hard and understand what you can do, mm -hmm. you know, hope is we got to keep hope alive. I mean, some people, you know, I know we're definitely going to lose if we don't fight back. We've lost, but standing up and finding how the system works, understanding how we can go ahead and do these simple mandamuses. And that's going to be part of the solution. So www.auditelections with an S USA.org is my site get with us and uh, uh, my email address is real simple it's John Brakey Brakey with a Y B-R-A-K-E-Y at Cox.net uh, you know you, you can find me and also on Facebook is uh, John uh, Roberts Brakey uh, my son is John Brakey so I don't want nobody shooting at him so I use my full <laughs> name John Roberts Brakey uh -huh. because you know a lot of people when I go in and I publicly speak and get into states uh, people who really know this system is that we do live in a very strange country. A lot of bad things happen. Sometimes people wind up in certain things and trouble or whatever. Uh, I worry more about not winning. I worry about failing and not getting this up because I believe we can this what we know with these images, if we can take this thing back and have real elections, we might be able to make a difference. Yeah, we'd be able to make a lot of, I mean, there would be a lot of changes happening if the American people, I think, really got to choose the direction that this government goes in. So I wish you all the best of luck in the world. You, and, I, and I hope this interview gets out there and I hope it convinces people to check out your website and, and really think about filing these writs in your local community. And, and, you know, the more and more we can do this and if we can flood the state systems on, on every level, uh, we could force uh, these images to be out in the public and then uh, start to solve this problem, start to take our country back. So, yeah. so thanks again, John. And well, thank uh, you. But just wrap it up as a final conclusion here. Mm -hmm. For our democracy to recover, we the people must understand in three major issues. Election fraud, that's what we're talking about right here. Voter suppression is a huge problem. Mm -hmm. And now they're doing it through micro-targeting, psycho-targeting, and using social media. So I was talking about the fact that they know how you're going to vote because you're putting it on your social media sites. Right. That's all being worked. 
And of course, the big one is gerrymandering, you know, where uh, because how they've drawn these districts that we really uh, are working behind six to eight points already behind and then not sure. having media, the brainwashing. Hey, there's plenty of work out here for people <laughs> to get involved in. Hope is alive and it's better than sitting home, drinking, getting high and feeling like it's all over because it's a pretty depressing place to live once you realize how bad this country really is. Like I said in the very beginning of the show, it's been a tough week for me realizing that Bobby Kennedy uh, Jr. has stood up and his father, uh, there was 13 shots fired and it didn't come out of a gun with eight bullets only, okay? And right. that uh, it's, it's, it's so incredible to know that they stole our future. We're talking something that happened 50 years ago. Right. You know, uh, really longer than that when they killed John F. Kennedy. And then they killed his brother because he was afraid if he got power that he would expose. No, that's pretty hideous. Yeah. So be the we, as I say. Yeah. And let's I hear get you. involved and take it back. Sounds like a plan, John. Thanks again. And uh, just in conclusion, I'll remind people that if you like what you're hearing, please think about uh, supporting the program by becoming a patron on Patreon. That's patreon.com backslash the shift. You can check out my newsfeed on Facebook at the shift with Doug McKenty. I'm on Twitter at D McKenty and uh, all of my archives and other information about the show is on my website at the Thanks again, John. Really appreciate your work. Hope uh, people start uh, looking into this and really making it happen. Um, best of luck and, uh, yeah, keep up the good fight. I will. I can promise you that because, uh, I have to live in hope. I hear you. With love in my heart. All right. Have a great day.